Hi, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, author of Fuck Like a Goddess, creator of Radical Awakenings, transformational coach, and student of life. I'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. On today's podcast, I have Asia Ophelia, a writer, an artist, a woman who teaches, who facilitates, who leads others into incredible liberation and so much more. This was such um, such a such a good conversation. It felt so good. Feeling is so important to me, and I will say this felt really good. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. On today's podcast, I have the pleasure of having Miss. Is Miss okay? Yeah, I okay, like it. Great. It works. I, I was thinking that in my head. I was like, she's going to introduce me as Miss Asia Ophelia. Yeah, Miss <laughs> Asia Ophelia. I don't know why I was called to. You heard my heart. Like, there is Miss there. I think I've read up on the history of Miss and Mister, and I do. I think mm-hmm. they come from like Mister being close to Master. Do you know the history of that? Oh no, but I like it. <laughs> I don't think it was in a BDSM <laughs> context originally. <laughs> I think it was probably in a like a you know slightly oppressive environment. But it- and well, I, the way that I was thinking about it is just mastery over anything, yeah. and you know, being women who believe in magic, like having mastery is. You know, like we get to take the words and make them mean what we want. We don't have to keep that old absolutely thing going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's like, it's a good re- a reminder. It's like my initial thought is like, ooh, that came from Evo patriarchy. And you're yeah. like, oh, that's magic. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to just start by hearing a little bit about how you describe yourself. Um, I have mm. read so much about you over the last few years and tuned into your work and your offering in the world. And I imagine just like me and all of us that you're an ever-changing being. So I'd love to hear who you yeah. are today. <laughs> That's a good question. I actually wrote out, there's so many, uh, just it's happening now when I start to talk to people who are like kind of surfing the same wavelength, we're using the same language, we're talking about the same things. Yesterday, I had this little post-it that I, I just have words everywhere. And I was at bar class and it said, what's true for you now? Mm-hmm. So I like that question about like, what's now? Yeah. And I was actually thinking about it just before we got on. And I feel like even a, an enigma to myself, I'm like, okay, what is this? Like, what's taking shape? What's taking form? And I really feel like my work lately has been, I've been guiding myself through love and loss for a long time. And it's similar to like kind of how the mystics live their life. I really resonate with like Rumi and the whirling dervishes and sort of the principles they had for the way that they lived life. And it was all about how to find the divine in everything, how to manage love and loss and dreams and community and and, and the astral and like poetry and uh, beauty So that feels really like what my work is about lately. Um, I think the biggest thing, like the elephant in the room is creativity, because that's always been like what's fueled sort of my obsession with the mystery and the Akasha or the tarot or anything. All of those kinds of arts has been just uh, the way that it's birthed through me and my creativity. So I feel like that's kind of what's bubbling up for me and what I want to help people remember is that they're all these really, that we're all really creative beings. And it's the, it's the essence of the muse it's the essence of tapping into what's living within us and then giving birth to it. And 
I seem to be pretty good at that. <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> I love that. And what I heard in that is like that you're an ever evolving being, which is kind of what I said before, and, and that you're an artist at heart, like an mm -hmm. artist, mystic, yeah. creative at heart. And I think, um, does that, is that kind of feel, yeah. isn't it? Spot yeah. on. Spot on. I mean, sometimes I consider that, um, I think Marianne Woodman said this and it's one of her ideas is like being possessed by archetypes and that we have to sort of, you know, take care that, um, we don't, become too possessed by archetypes because I think we see that out there in the world sometimes or someone so heavily identifies with a particular kind of label or identity or box yes, that yeah. it actually becomes oppressive or restricting. Um, for you, do you feel like you have to use any labels with the work you do in the world? Mm -hmm. um, what is your relationship with labeling yourself and the work that you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. A really great question. I think that I, well, first of all, I love words and I actually don't mind labels when I go in and sort of redefine what they mean to me. And so since I've played with so many archetypes, I don't necessarily feel, and you know, the, what you were talking about, that's so true about being so possessed by something that there is the way that I was seeing is there's no space for spirit. There's no space for anything else. It's, it's, it's more about that thing. Um, but when I think about archetypes, I think about um, something that we can easily identify with. Like for instance, I've got these cards down here and they're literally the, the, the cast of the deck of characters. And this is like, you know what I mean? This is an archetype that we all can find ourselves within, whether or not you would call yourself a wild woman. It's like the characteristics of freedom and like being yourself and, um, marching to the beat of your own drummer, listening to your heart. These are all things we can connect with. And that's why I think archetypes are so powerful. So I love playing with, with words and with those things. But at the same time, I know that's not who I am, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and I've been asking my clients this very same question. It's like, cause I have clients that come to me that are like, you know, they, they, they've got the big title because people have given that title to them. And then when we sort of tried to come inward and I'm like, who are you outside of A, B or C it can take a long time to like sit and um, consider that on a deep level. So that's something that I try to ask myself all the time too. Cause I mean, I love, I love being an artist or a poet or a mystic, you know, all of these things, I feel them in my psyche. Like I feel them burning and I know what, how they want to live through me. But at the same time, there is a space that's beyond all of those labels. And I think it's important to like, we get to play. We came here to be able to play with these things too. So um yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a thing that we're really kind of reckoning with as a culture. So I understand like where that question is coming from. Totally. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're doing work with other people, like facilitating working with clients or leading retreats, do you feel the need to kind of position yourself in a certain way, like as a mentor, a healer, or coach, or facilitator, or do you just let it be? Cause that's something that I, I sort of was like researching and reading your work. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I feel like um, I was curious to just ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been talking a lot about like mask wearing, right. And sort of like removing those masks and coming back to you, who you are. But at certain times, those masks are really powerful because they can make another quality come through. And so mm. I've been playing with that a lot with like how I dress, the way that I wear my hair, 
um, I guess we'll come back to here again. Um, so I think when I'm with people, it is very intuitive and I really step into my intuition with how to sort of show up. Um, but my work is very like soul led. So I'm really trying to look at and hear the message of the soul. And sometimes it's, it's a bit quieter because people are so used to speaking from their mind and they'll go right in because they're like the good student. And I mean, you know, when you've worked with people and you're like, okay, we're still sort of burning off the residue of who we think we are, of how we have to be right. And we're really just trying to get down to the soul essence or the shadow and, you know, the operating system and what's really working. And so I do sort of, I get nudges about, how to show up. And I don't think it's false either. Like that's the thing I've really been realizing is that um, it's not, you know, I do. One thing we did on a, on a, something I did a long time ago was that I was blindfolded. I removed one sense and then all the other ones came forward. So I play with that a lot in like variety is the spice of life to me. And I never want to like, even when I'm like working out, I'll get really sick. I'll go way in on something. And then I'll be like, I can't do that for three months. I need something else. So I really try to like on my website, I, I've sort of, there's all these titles and one of them is spiritual provocateur. And what I meant by that is that I use all these different tools I have in really intuitive ways, depending on who I'm working with. And so they can feel like I'm provoking something or I'm invoking something, asking something of someone that I feel I know they're ready to go there. And I'm just like the little bear that's like, I love that. I love that you have spiritual provocateur. And I also love that you have complicated woman. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I need to book a session with you. I think I need, (laughs) I need to, I need to add complicated woman to my branding. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Obvious, but what led (laughs) you to put that in your website and like Mm. right front center? You know what? It's a book I've actually been writing for five years. And I think, you know, in terms of that title landed because um, just like when we got on and we were talking about Miss or Mr. and Master and what that meant, um, if someone calls you a complicated woman, it's usually a bad thing. It's like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm too much. There's too many parts. But that's really the beauty of being a woman, right? Is that we can like we're soft and we're tender and we can be harsh. We can be creative. Like there's so many aspects to being a woman and no one's ever going to make me choose, you know? So I was like, I'm just gonna, and it is all about embracing the parts of ourselves that we shunned or like put into the corner. And so often a title will drop in with me and I got that. And I was like, Ooh, like, I like this feels juicy. Like it's on the pulse of something that a lot of women really need to hear. Like, it's okay to be complex. It's okay to think this one thing today. And at the end of the day, not quite be so sure because we're like these ever evolving creatures in the world. Yeah. I, I, I love that permission and, um, And the shame that gets to be released because of it, because, you know, I think we were all, most of us indoctrinated into the idea that like being a complicated woman is something like you should hide or be ashamed of. I've also been called complicated and dramatic and many a thing by many a past lover. (laughs) 
I mean, yeah. And I like how you said that it includes all parts of you, you know, and um, that there's room for that. And that, yeah, that can get kind of complicated. It's kind of like having a banquet with all of these different personalities sitting there. Exactly. You don't know who has the mic in a certain day. And I'm not talking about multiple personalities. I'm talking about having different parts of the soul and the the psyche um, have a place at the table, which is like, yeah, I think is so important for so many women. So with the book that you're working on, I, I, I wanted, I'd love to hear about it. And I also just want to presence your talent and gifts as a writer. How long have you mm. been writing? And do you identify in that way of being a writer? Is that a part of your kind of core yeah. artistic self? It is. It took me a while to embrace the name because I think, you know, the power of a name, it's like, I thought that a writer was only like Maya Angelou. Like I had to like, you know, get my writing chops to that point. But then when I look back on my life and I look back on the notebooks that I've just filled with my thoughts and my feelings, um, it's, it's, uh, it's next level. It's probably like my Virgo brain's like, oh, I wonder how many words you've written from the time you've been alive. And if you categorize them, like what would that word will look like? You know, it'd probably just be like who I am now. <laughs> but um, yes, I've started to identify myself as a writer. And um, yeah, I was talking about, so the book, it's five years in the making. I don't really want to say a ton, but it is about being a complicated woman and sort of um, embracing all aspects of yourself in that way. Yeah. And just the fact that I'm, you know, claiming myself and, you know, it's it's another title that I'm enjoying playing with is writer yeah. um, because it's something I do all the time. I think it's so powerful. Words are so powerful in the act of Um, especially bringing pen to paper is a really powerful thing. It's a simple spiritual technology that we all have access to. And um, yeah, I can't say enough about it. It's really been one of the life-changing forces in my life. Mm -hmm. And when I met you, you were um, publicly the girlfriend manifesto. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious how that original branding of of, I'm not sure if you would call it your business, your brand, your artistic vision, and how that that shifted. And I'd love to hear about your Mm -hmm. journey as an entrepreneur, as someone creating um, a public business and a public brand identity. Oh, I love that. It's a good question. So multifaceted. Well, really the first five years I was pouring myself into just being creative because I had gone through a giant loss. Um, my mom passed right as the name, the girlfriend manifesto dropped in. And so I heard something the other day that made so much sense to me. And it was like the whole reason that we have heartbreak and horrible things is so we can create art from it. And when I think of art, I think of beauty and beauty is often indistinguishable from love. So it's like such a gift to be able to channel our pain and our grief and our sorrow and our sadness into something that um, alleviates some of our pain. And at the same time is a gift to the world. And so I just started talking, the name dropped in. And at the time I was like, I need my sisters. And we've like forgotten that it's important to gather because we all got busy, like in our twenties and thirties, we were just like running around here to there. And it was just time to be together. And so I really took that opportunity to create those spaces in person. Mm -hmm. Like that was the first gathering of the girlfriend manifesto was in person Mm -hmm. and then translated them to online. And really for the first five years, I just built and I just talked. And at first it was to no one. And then it started to grow and people were like, oh, I love your work. And I'm like, oh, like I have work, you know, and I, the whole the whole time I'm working another job. It's not like okay. I had. What was your other job? It's just like, 
Um, a lot of okay. things. I actually talked about this today. I worked for a lot of really big name people who were entrepreneurs, coaches, because I had a real knack for marketing and creativity. Okay. And I kind of wanted to see how the world worked yeah. and just got recommended to a lot of people. So I, I just like saw how the sausage was made. I saw, I learned so much about being a public figure just by service. Yeah. And so that's really what it was for me. And I, I worked for a woman once who just was like, you, you can't work for me anymore. You've got a message like go, you know, like don't hide here anymore. Uh, Go. So really for the first five years, it was just building. And then people started asking for things and I sort of stood back and surveyed and it was like, Oh, like I built a house. I built a queendom. I built something. And now it's time for me to like more fully inhabit it. So that's really been the last three or four years, I think has all of my past work started to support me and I started to let resources come in and I started to solidify offerings and offer retreats. And so I'm just sort of at that point where I'm like, okay, this is, this is part of my livelihood. I want to treat, like, I love the way that, um, hero Boga, she's a woman and she really treats business. Like it has a soul or a Deva and it has, um, it has an energy that it wants you to fulfill. And so I feel like I'm working, side by side with this soul deva of, of creativity in my business and really starting to look at it like that, like a way that I can really um, transform my life and a lot of other people's and create value. And so I deserve to be paid for that and compensated for that. And so I'm like, you know, stepping into my big girl pants and going to hire someone and stop doing this one woman show that's just taken up too much of my time. So I really can be in the creative zone, which is where I really like where time and space stops. And it's like, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. And was the shift in that first name, which I'm guessing you were leading like women's circles in person and Mm -hmm. in Chattanooga and then online. And then was there a moment, was it like a a maturing or transformation that was like, Oh, I'm actually going to sort of shift away from that, um, that name, that title. Yeah. You know what? It was, it wasn't, it wasn't premeditated at all. It was really weird actually how it all happened. And I think just like God, goddess intervened and someone offered me a free reading and something about it was like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to do this. And so I show up and it's this wild woman. Right. And the first two hours are just like, I'm literally, she's not telling me anything. And I'm like too polite to be like, this has got to end. But like the last I stayed on for two hours to get the last 10 minutes, really, because that's when it got really juicy. And she was like, you know what? She was like, um, I think she was like maybe 10 years older. She's like in her fifties or late fifties or something. And she was like, I love that title, but your name's way more powerful. And I would book a session with you with your name. And I was just like, oh, And I was like, okay, if I go on Instagram and my name's available, then it's time for the shift. And I didn't realize that it like all took place immediately. So I go on and like type it in and I hit enter. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's like a layer removed. It's like Mm. no more hiding. Yes. You created the girlfriend manifesto. And I still really resonate with that. Like I, you know, that could be a book. I still really resonate with a lot of these words that have been given to me in specific order, but it really felt like this space for me to step more fully in and like to claim my name. And even just how I came to be Asia Ophelia is sort of magical too, because when my mom passed away, I felt like, I just don't know who I am anymore. Mm. Like I just was like in the world, it's like this tether that had been, you know, like almost like umbilical cord. Like we were really, really tight, 
was no longer there. And it, you know, it was almost like an arrow being drawn back and it really propelled me. But at the same time, I was like lost. And I had this dream where my mom said my name and it was her middle name because her, her, her full name was Angela Ophelia Lee and then my, her married name. But at any rate, I had this dream. And so the next day I went and changed my, my last name used to be Meriwether, which is, you know, it's cool. It's unique. But when I took my mom's middle name, it's like something, some magic, wow. some like feminine Venetian mm. thing happened. Mm. And um, so, yeah, it, it feels really revealing. And also, I just still love it. I love hearing it. And mm. um, it feels like me, mm. you know, beautiful. And so yeah. now are you full time doing your business writing, mentoring? Like, how would you kind of encapsulate your business for people? And, you know, I don't always ask business questions, but I just, um, I feel compelled because yeah. I, I, the way that you hold um, your business just feels so yummy, juicy and, and feminine in a way. And I, I, I would think yeah. it would really serve people to hear about that. Yeah, my inner child's really happy. So like there's there's two avenues, really. There's the creative, which I love doing for myself. And I take on creative projects sort of by, I don't take all, like I used to be solely working and marketing and creativity for other people. And so now I just take on projects that feel really exciting. Like, ooh, I can lend my voice to this. I can make this video pop. I know exactly like ideas drop in. So that's one avenue. And the other one is really just being, a guide, a coach, a person who's assisting someone, you know, a doula along the transformational path. And lately it's been a lot about love and loss. I have some groups going right now about grief and it's such powerful work. And so growing up, my dad was just a short story. My dad was a psychologist and I totally forgot this until I created my first grief group, but he had a group called Mending Hearts. And my mom like sewed all these heart pillows that had been like the heart was broken, but it was like stitched back together. So you could just like hold this pillow while you were in session. So yeah, that's, that's my work now. Um, you know, I do, I do retreats and coaching and I love working one-on-one -on -one with people, but I also love working in groups because there's some magic about all the eyes that are on you and all the energy that's being drawn in. It seems like transformation just gets really like accelerated. So. I agree. I so agree. I was just saying that yesterday to the group that I'm doing right now. I'm like, you know, it reminds me of this passage in the Bible. I grew up in Georgia going to the, you know, church. And one thing that I remember was like when two or more gathered in my name, I'm fucking there. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know? I say that all the time yeah, still. I like I literally say that to all my groups. I'm like, listen, we are gathered. We're two or more gathered. There's power. Yeah. And so let's tap into that yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because yeah. some of those ancient mystics, I consider Jesus to be a mystic, um, yeah. however you want to call him, Yeshua Jesus. Um, but those, those say those phrases hold so much potency and like that mm -hmm. one. And there are quite a few others who, I mean, I hope they came from his mouth, but imagine they were yeah. either like passed along and that the mm -hmm. things that held potency stuck like because yeah. they resonate with people. And that one, I just, I told it resonates. I'm like women when we're together and we're doing this work, magic happens, change happens. Exactly. If you show up exactly. here, just showing up is like enough showing up open, open hearted, like things are going to move. And I've, I've seen it to be true. And I imagine you have yeah. too. Totally. Yeah. I think we're realizing that we're vibrational creatures and 
you know, sometimes people come to me and they can often keep their walls up. Like it doesn't matter what angle I come from, but I'm like, you know what? There's an energetic frequency that is seeping in and it feels like the work is happening. You know, whether someone's leaning into it or not, the work is always happening. And that's what I like to tell myself about everything, about creativity, about love, about energetics. It's like, it's happening and we can, we can lean in to accelerate it, but also it's happening. It's happening. And I sometimes, you know, I get people as well who come in and feel like their heart is closed. And I do a lot of heart Mm -hmm. work in these past few years. And and I'm like, you know, I'm knocking on the heart and I'm like, hi, yeah. you know, open up to me, yeah. and open up to me. And, you know, there's, mo- there's times where I'm like, he, if you're not going to sh- lean yeah. in at all, I may not be able to help you. And then there's yeah. times where I'm like, I'm going to accept this woman just where she is, even though I feel exactly. her thorns and her, you know, armor, like, I'm just going to love her right here with with her armor, you know? Okay. So you mentioned sex and I want to talk about sex because I love some of your, um, creative and, and I feel like it's creative direction. Like when you're speaking, I'm like, Oh, you have this creative directorial vision, like with your own brand. And I I assume you could do that for others, but there is such a sensual element to it. And I love the way that you write and share about something so tender, so full of, um, you know, all kinds of emotions and baggage at times, but sex. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey without feeling comfortable sharing it publicly, um, supporting other women to feel comfortable in it or other beings in general. Yeah. It's funny how this came to be. I mean, I'm a very, I've got a lot of Scorpio in my chart, so it's always been a thing that has, mystified me, um, drawn me, um, repelled me at the same time. It's just been this force in my life. And it started to become like when we talked a little bit about the girlfriend manifesto, I had these like four pillars and then all of a sudden here comes sex, sensuality. And it was like the thing. And people were like getting to know me for that. And I was like, Oh, you know, it, it didn't, I don't know. I dawned on me because of, you know, people reflecting it back to me, like, Oh, there's a very sensual nature to what you're doing. And part of the thing that I love to do is speak about uh, the elephant in a room through my own experience, through my own lens. And I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of people talking about sex and sexuality and it felt, I felt coaxed, you know, I felt led, I felt opened up when I shared. And so I just continued doing it. You know, it's been a, it's been a big lifelong journey. We have the raised in the South sort of thing in common. So um Yeah. I don't know if there's like a specific thing I can tap into yeah. or there's a juicy question yeah, you have. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how do you, you know, if you're sharing about it publicly, are there moments where you feel afraid or like you're too much or um, like, you know, you could get censored or the voices yeah. of fear that come? Because I know a lot of women, including myself, like deal in, with that in moments. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine how you want to show up in the bedroom. Like imagine that, you know, start to imagine uh, how good it would feel to be able to clearly speak to your partner, to love your body, no matter what shape it's in, or like mood light it, like how, whatever that scene is, I think the way that we speak about sex and obviously everyone's not in the position we are, and they're not like holding space for a lot of people, but it is this like ongoing conversation with yourself. And so I just started to have it kind of publicly, like, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm going through. This is what I feel led to reveal. Like this feels 
like, it's kind of like my, my burlesque. Like I always thought like, Ooh, that would be fun to do. And it's sort of like, Ooh, how can I reveal something in a like really sensual way, but also keep like a lot of mystery. Like, even if I'm revealing a lot, that feels really important. And it is sort of this creative director in me. That's like, all right, we're like, we're doing this or we're talking about this, or you've just gone through this. And it's important to, um, you know, we all have like a radio broadcast signal and whether it's like on the internet or it's just in our homes with our people, we can start to have these kind of uncomfortable conversations that make sex, not dirty, not shameful desire is beautiful. And so I just mm-hmm. want it to be as mm-hmm. easy to talk mm-hmm. about sex and death as it is a banana or like, what are you going to eat for dinner? You know? So then like, who's, I got to talk about it. Like, you know, no one, no one's going to say it like I will. So I felt led. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to take a quick break from the episode to share about one of my affiliate partners, Chakrups, the original crystal sex toy company. You may have seen me share about them on Instagram or in the press because I have, because I love them. (laughs) Vanessa Cuccia, who's the founder of the company, and she was also a guest on this podcast in episode six. She really pioneered the idea of using crystals for heightened sexual and spiritual intimacy. Each chakra is handcrafted from a 100% natural crystal, and they're completely body safe. And the store carries a wide array of products that infuse your energetic field with the subtle energy that the crystal of your chakra holds. Using a chakra over time can help build sensitivity and reawaken subtle sensations within your body. Yay! <laughs> I have personally used them and for years, and I love their products. And over the last few years, I've recommended them to many clients and survivors of sexual trauma, not only for exploring their self-pleasure, but for healing, releasing blockages, feelings held in the body, and rebuilding and reawakening their relationship with sexuality and sensuality over time. And also, they are these beautiful objects, which you can put like on an altar in some way in your home to really um, embrace them. So... Use the link in the show notes and the code is Love at checkout to receive a 10% discount in the store. Big love and enjoy. Do you feel like it's been a particular like phase of your artistic expression or you've pulled more of that to the surface or do you feel like it's an ongoing through line? Mm. it's both and it's like when I think about the roots or the fruits of something it's like I spent so long really cultivating the roots and not really sharing it so when it started to come out it was kind of like like a geyser like Mm. oh there's a lot here there's a lot of creative energy here there's a lot and so that was that was a part of it you know to really be open about who I am sexually like women have sexual desires I know this is nothing new because we've kind of started to talk about it, but I think it's kind of a lot of it's a little shadowy for me. Um, and I feel like I'm stepping into this new, it's almost like a flower blooming. That's what I saw when you were talking mm. was like, yes, I've been pulling up this life force energy. And now that the flowers blooming, it's like, it wants to be seen and you know, mm-hmm. it smells good. And here are the bees and like, here are the gentlemen suitors. And here I am talking about this mm-hmm. and you know, it feels surprising and delightful at the same time. But when I like pan out, I can see that it was like always Mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. What did it take to tend to those roots? Because I love that. um, I love that image of like from root to fruit, you know, like what is that journey like for you 
to, to be able to let that blossoming essentially enter into the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of tending. I think I've gone through all the phases where it's like, I'm tending with the weed whacker and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm doing the things that are like kind of masculine and, and that's that. But now I'm at this really like ten, tender gardener softening phase. And I'm really thinking about my sensuality, my sexuality and being in relationship as being in relationship with like the cosmic all that is. And so it's like the moment to moment check-in, like what's my breath like? I'll do this a lot lately. If I'm like tensed up or I'm having thoughts I don't like, I'll look down. I'll be like, oh my God, your hands are clenched or your stomach is really tight. And then I'll just like take a breath in and I'll allow this softening to happen. And so for me, I'm at this really like gently pruning. Mm -hmm. I see like a whale turning really slowly. It's a lot more vulnerable to move slow in in this realm. So I've like adopted this pace of less doing and more being. And even that's scary because you're like, Am I worth anything if I'm just sitting here being, right, you know, absolutely. but it's so powerful. And so that's, that's kind of how I've been tending, you know, we, we, and just like, it's, there's nothing wrong with the season where I got the w- weed whacker out. Cause sometimes you fucking need a weed absolutely. whacker, right? And like there's seasons to all of this, but the season I'm in is like the blush of spring. It's like light pink, you know, and at the same time, it's like fierce. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But what, what would constitute as the weed whacker for you? Because I know all these ideas come to my mind about phases of my own spiritual (laughs) evolution with the weed whacker. (laughs) Tell me what was your weed whacker story? I've had one recently. It's like when you don't listen, it's like, you know, the stove is hot and you're like, oh, Ah, you know you touch it it's like for me and it's almost like another way I've been saying this is like when you have to clean up your kingdom and you're like oh my god so much has to go like I've been living in filth and I'm a queen it's like no no and you're just like you know it's like that phase and that that often happens when we're backed in a corner we've gone through a painful loss we had something like we, our intuition knew like way ahead of time that it was going to rain, but we didn't listen. It's like that sometimes when that weed whacker comes out or when you'd like, after you built yourself back up and you're like, no, you know, like uh, this is going out now. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely times for that. And, you know, it could be, it literally could be like, that was Thursday. And now I'm back to like gently pruning. Again. Right. It's like, that's how, that's how fast it can go. But yeah. Yeah. Would you say that that's a similar energy to like the fierce goddess or like the Hindu goddess? Kali. Kali? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And on the same token, it's like from Kali to Durga, which is like the nurturance yeah. and the mother and the part of ourselves that really needs to love us unconditionally through all of yeah. it. So it's like all of those I don't know. I just saw this woman in the mirror with like all these different faces, yeah. you know, and sometimes it's like, and it's complex, it's right? Com- like we get to be all of, all of those things, yeah. but yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly and it. what I love is that you presence that it's a moment to moment practice um, and attunement. And I do think when mm-hmm. we're learning something new we're making broader strokes because like mm-hmm. we kind of have to mm-hmm. like really that's like, true we're like try on that mm-hmm. Kali energy <laughs> and we're like yeah fuck everything get out boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> you know? and so then once we get comfortable with not comfortable but once it kind of integrates into our embodiment then you know yeah. the strokes become oh. more fine and so it can be that moment to moment where one moment you know you're in this just soft and gentle the next moment you like you know see something that, that hurts your heart and you're like nah, 
you know, and um, that's definitely like giving women to be permission, like giving women permission to be all of those different things and not have to choose, but it's, it's tough. It's tough. Also when we're, we're putting ourselves, I guess I'll take, I'll take the word back. It's tough. It's complicated. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because when we're putting ourselves out in the world, like we're almost like flattening in a way, like who all these different aspects and it's true. I'm curious with you because with me, I've gone through phases where it's like, um, you know, this phase I'm expressing more of this and this one I'm expressing more of this. And I'm like, how do I fit all of these different aspects into a brand? Cause some of them are kind of antithetical to each other, you know, or they, yeah. they don't feel mm-hmm. like they fit, but they do. Cause I'm living them. Yeah. Have you felt that like that all of these different multidimensional aspects of your feminine embodiment and being like at times are like chaotic or, <laughs> um, Yes, I think I have. And even for me, because um, how do I rein it all in? That's the thing. It's like, how do you rein it all in? And for me, it was like, I love a mixed bag of nuts. Like I love a mixed bag of things. And like, yes, it has a general shape and form, but within that, there's a lot of aspects to it. And I actually think as the world is opening up to more feminine leadership, we're not so polarized in like, And I do think there is at the same time, it's so like, there's so much yin and yang involved. And it's like that middle path of being like, yes, I'm multifaceted. I love a lot of things, but the only way to birth one baby is to take like certain steps and actions on the thing, create it and sort of build onto it. So when I think of it, I think of like a tree with many branches. And that's what I thought of. Like there is an essence to what I do. And then there's all of these like technicolor branches that get to be really fun. And I get to play because if I'm not having a good time, no one's having a good time and no one's making any money and no one's having good sex. And we can't, like, we can't have that. So I do think the more that the world opens, like the women run the world and I, I'm I, obviously men are here too. This isn't like a bashing thing, but something that I mentioned in my post earlier was that all of the teams that I worked on that are bringing some of the most amazing righteous information into the Akashic records into all that is is just like dedicated women. Some that like live in Idaho and are helping on this amazing team to get this thing out, you know? Um, So just kudos to all, all of the people (laughs) doing the work, but um, yeah, I have, and, and ever clear. It's like you said, at first it's these broad strokes. It's like, okay, I do this and I do it like this. And then with time, you're like, okay, I actually really love doing this. And I'm, and I'm really refining my work as a person who works with grief. And when I step into the room, it's the reason you can be around someone who has a mastery over their breath or their energetic body, and they can put their hand over you and you can just convulse. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like, and I want to be like, I'm like, where have all the people gone? The masters, the people with mastery, the people that dedicated their whole life to being a piano virtuoso. It's like, when you, when you hear that, it's like, you're hearing the the voice of God, you know? So if we can like, no matter if you have a lot of branches, if you step in and fully embody, then people will, will hear the voice of God through you. Exactly. So yeah. What I love about like how I saw the technicolor branches was that like, our awareness like follows one branch to the flowering. And it's like when our awareness is kind of like spread, trying to like be like, okay, what's flowering? Is this flowering over there? It's like, it can be kind of 
disparate and, um, you know, spread too thin and maybe lose the, the, the potency and the potential for mastery. And what's interesting is like, you know, I think in the past, yes, yeah, someone plays piano their whole life and they're a piano person. Right. And then there's people mm-hmm. like you, mm-hmm. people like me, we do lots <laughs> of different things. Um, yeah. but what, what I'm hearing is like, okay, well, when I, when I'm showing up to my grief work, I'm like all into that work. I'm all in. And maybe you follow that life's work for a certain amount of years as a piece of mastery. And that's like a, that's like, then, you know, the branch comes to full flowering and then you go to a different path. Exactly. You can prove it. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of Mm -hmm. people like this, like this, uh, you know, the people that have life assignments, like who who our life gives us an assignment and we turn it into art for like Uh five years, 10 years, 20, I don't know. And then life gives us another assignment. Like I, I, do you, do you have a phrase for people like that? Mystics. I don't know. I mean, I don't what that that's a good question. If if the perfect artist or mystic is, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And it's and it is it's funny because I I see people on the internet and they'd be like, oh, I'm a I'm a grief coach. That's all I do. No shame and no no shade on people if that's your title. But um, it's a lot to identify with one aspect of our human, our one aspect of reality, and build everything around it. You know, um, so where has this like gorgeous feminine maturation deepening of your embodiment, how has that impacted you with love? Mm. I'm the most honest I've ever been. I'm the most ready for that deep type of partnership that I've been um, equally afraid of. You know, when you're at that like, um, what's that point? It's, it's like, you're leaning in, but you're leaning back and you're just right there on the precipice. You know, I've been on, exactly. I've been on the precipice of that type of devotion and that type of love for a long time. And it finally feels like it's like dropping in, you know, and it starts with you. Like, I don't have to have a partner by my side to, um, quantify what I'm doing because I feel it in my body and I feel it in the way that I move through the world. And I feel it when, I lovingly speak up for myself instead of stuffing it. I feel it when I take a deep breath instead of reaching for something to not feel the feeling. Like I feel it in those moments. And so that's what that looks like. And I'm like, oh, it just like keeps getting so much better. Like I feel almost like I did at the beginning. Like I'm Benjamin buttoning it. Like I feel the... I feel some of the same like childlike joy that I had about love, like the energy of the fool, like, okay, I do have all of this wisdom. I kind of know what to do, what not to, not totally, because I think we have to step in knowing that love is going to like slay us over and over again, but it's not us. It's just anything that's false. It's just going to cut it, you know? And so I'm, I'm really at that space and it feels really juicy. It feels exciting. Um, It feels close to a lot of things I've been calling in. And so, yeah, that's what it looks like. Beautiful. Was there a particular like practice or, um, you know, modality or path Mm -hmm. that you took? Yeah. Well, last year I got really serious about relationships and not like serious as in like, you know, this (laughs) more like, okay, I'm really going to lean into a lot of things that I had been avoiding. And the way that I do that is I create an offering around it. And so I was really curious about sacred partnership and I wanted to be able to sort of document, um, 12 people's journey through, um, 
what's the, I think, is it a Rumi quote? The one about not seeking for love, but seeking for anything that you're exactly. So that was the quote that really was like the, 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 the fascia, if you will, for the offering. And so I had a bunch of people who had dedicated their lives to working in relationship, like mindset coaches, um, sex therapists, like every aspect of it. So to where we could see ourselves and what kind of was holding us back, you know, it, maybe it was like, uh, like a cooler version. Oh, no, I won't say this because someone's book, I don't oh, okay, say okay, that. Okay. but yeah, it's, it's, it's like, um, so that really opened me up and I saw a lot of things about myself. I let a lot of things go and I, have been a different type of person in a partnership, you know, right after that I met someone and it was just totally different. Mm. The quality of it was different. It was like, I'm not repeating a pattern. I'm in something that feels fresh and new and I'm getting to like test out my skills, like test out who I am in partnership. And so Mm. that's definitely, I leaned in, you know, I got a relationship coach. And at first I was like, I'm kind of ashamed to like tell anyone that I have a relationship coach. And and then I started thinking about it just as life skills. Like every, like literally I have a relationship with this mom. I have a relationship with the way that I breathe. I have a relationship with everything. And this is giving, this is giving me back to me. And then I was like, hell yeah, I'm telling everybody, you know, I'm working with someone who's helping me see my patterns in relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's not, I mean, if we didn't, I mean, it sounds like your, well, your parents sound great from the story about the pillows, but I know that was only one story. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but regardless of how we grow up, the cultural role models for relationship are kind of like slim and grim. There's not a lot of like yeah. great public <laughs> relationships in media, films, TV that we saw growing up. So, you know, mm-hmm. I do think having someone support us and actually just sit with us as we yeah. investigate is so, so beautiful. And it is often, I think, like just someone to sit with us as we explore. Um, exactly. I want to just read that quote real quick that you based your program off of. Mm-hmm. Your task is not to seek for love but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Mm -hmm. I love that quote also. Oh my goodness. And then later on, I found out, and I don't know if this is true in the translation or if it was there in the original, but there was someone who was like, there's a missing part to that. And the last part is, and to love them. Mm. So that was like, you know, to not actually, to not just identify what they are, but actually to lean into them and love them. And those are like the complex parts of ourselves that we're like, nope, she's probably not that lovable. I'm going to suppress her voice. Uh And actually she's what makes your voice more full with more rich, with more depth. Yeah. So it was like reclaiming all of those parts of myself that I had rejected, left behind, deemed too much Mm -hmm. um, to become this, you know, the roots and the fruits. The roots and the fruits. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Um, Well, we mentioned hair, not that there's anything too too big to talk about, but I have seen you go through some incredible hair phases. And hairstyles over the years. Yes. Uh, yes. Where, are you, where are you at with your um, expression with your hair? But not, not only that, but fashion. Because I look at you yeah. and I think you you have such a way of expressing yourself externally that reflects a lot about you and is inspiring. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that journey. <laughs> Thanks. Well, you know what? Okay, so <laughs> if I had a TED Talk, it would actually be on hair. I know people, really? a lot of people would be like, oh, she'd probably talk about whatever. But 
it's been such a journey for me as a black woman with hair and hair that's like kinky, curly, um, different than everyone when I was growing up. And so I've always, it's always been a thing that I wanted to shift and change. And it's funny because I had this time with my hair that really felt like, oh, the Renaissance, like I cut off all the hair that I had relaxed and I was really getting in touch. I was like, I don't even, I was in my twenties and had no idea what my hair really even looks like. So it was a, um, quite an embarrassing, weird, you know, those phases where you kind of don't recognize yourself. And for me, hair was like serious business. And for a lot of black women, it is because it's something we have to consider like, oh, am I going someplace humid? Do I want to, it's, it's, um, it's higher maintenance, right? Like I think about it. And so my whole Ted talk is about, um, I am not my hair, but at the same time, it's a fun thing to play with. And so after my mom passed, that's really what I did. I started playing with my hair. I started getting extensions and weaves and doing all these different things that I had never done before. And during that phase, also my hair really went through a lot. Like I lost my mom, my whole body was changing. Right. And so I'm coming back into this really playful phase, but also really just honoring the hair that I have, you know, the hair that's on my head, the way that, um, God, goddess, all that it is saw to create me. And, um, yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's, this my Ted talk. <laughs> it's, it's a lot more than that, but that's kind of just like it in a nutshell is that it's been felt like a blessing and a curse. And then now it's just like something fun to play with. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I like hearing that I'm curious about, you know, when your mom passed, was there something like really clear that was like, it's time to experiment, to change. Like, you know, I have heard people shaving their head when someone passes or making it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that's still on my list. I've definitely had really short hair. Like we call it the big chop. And it was between when I had like chemically straightened my hair and cut it and that it was very, very short. Uh, But it was like way before social media. So there wasn't this like public eye on you while you were going through all of your awkward phases. Um, But yeah, I think my whole life felt like um, a blank canvas. And I was like, okay, what do I want to put on here? What do I want to experiment with? who am I? And I've been asking myself this a lot. And, you know, when I look back on also like all of my childhood pictures, I'm like, that kid had really good style. Like, I don't know if I, I think I picked out my clothes a lot. Like I remember spending hours with my mom at fabric stores and I would like find stuff that I liked and I'd be like, okay, I want this fabric and we're going to sew this thing. And so I just remember that my mom really liked to dress, you know, she was like a proud woman and like some of it's positive. It kind of got to be like, but if she was like going out to the doctor, she's like, you get better service if you look nice. And sometimes I can just hear my mom being like, girl, put on some clothes and go outside and feel cute. Right. You know? And Aww. then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting out of my workout clothes. I'm going to put something on that feels really fun or cute to me. And so I've really been, as I'm stepping into like my second act, you know, age wise, it's like, okay, I'm remembering that part of myself. I'm actually remembering that I only want clothes around me that feel really good. So I've let go of like half of the things that I didn't love or didn't wear anymore. And really I'm stepping into like, okay, I do. I love, I like clothing. I like playing with my image and what I look like. And at the same time, I know I'm not that like, I'm still fucking dope in sweatpants and hair in a bun, but yeah. you know, we can play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for an artistic soul, I think it's just an extension 
everything is an extension, like cooking, arranging flowers, like the home becomes Mm -hmm. an extension. It can also become an obsession, but, um, but I think there's this sweet spot where it's like, ah, this is really fun. It's a fun thing Mm -hmm. to do. Um, like when I get old, I want to be like Iris Atfield. Oh I just God. want to be like this like funky woman that wears whatever she wants. And like, cause like it doesn't have to get boring. Like that's the thing I think people think like, oh, when I'm this age, I have to cut my hair short and then I have to wear these practical things. Or at least maybe that was the generation that I was looking at before I, like we came along. And so now it's like, no, like boring is an absolute choice. Even though our culture has an obsession with youth, like we can still create our own reality. Like that's a thing that's been very present with me my whole life. It's like, if I bought a jean jacket and it was like everyone else's, I would like be dazzle it or put fringe on it or put a patch on it just to like identify it as mine. I love that. that. (laughs) Where are you living these days? Are you still in Chattanooga? Mm. I am. I am. I thought I was going to Austin for a spell and I might end up there, but I'm in between things. Like I had this whole experience at the end of the year where I found out that the house I was living in had mold. And so I am just out of that and like taking a deep breath from all the things that happened right around Christmas. And I'm like, okay, I don't know, but I do feel, I feel a move. I feel something, I feel a change coming. Yeah. Yeah. But TBD right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think a lot of people feel that way too. It's like the answer is not quite clear, but open, open. What do you have coming up right now are ways that people can play with you, Mm -hmm. find you, be supported by you? Yes. Well, I have uh, something called the way of the heart. It's actually my first international retreat. It's in Mexico. Congrats! It's in May. Thank you. And it's very much uh, about a lot of things we were talking about here today. Um, And on, on a big level, it's about slowing down enough to really tap into what's going on for you and how to like fully express that, how to become a more fully expressed human. And so that's something that I do through all kinds of things that feel sometimes like work, but most often like play. Um, And then I'm in the process of creating a program. And it really is about sort of like the the mystical aspects of metaphysics, if you will. The way I was, the way I've been describing it is like if Britt Marling from the AO created a course. So it's going to be very, so she, very, (laughs) very visual, very centered around uh, the art of the dream time, the art of intuition, things that I feel like I've really spent a lot of time in the trenches with and have like a unique facet on. And so I'm bringing that to the people and I'm really excited because it feels like I haven't really had like a a thoroughfare, if that makes sense. I've had a lot of like things that have come in, but this feels like it could be like the meat and like the the breadth of what I do for a long time, Mm -hmm. like that, that sort of offering. Mm -hmm. And so it feels, feels timely. It feels good, you know? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, it's been so nice to chat with you today and to connect. (laughs) And I, I remember, I think we met at, um, Jessica Asaf's cannabis feminist party in Venice. And I was thinking about you and just how you hold such a lovely space. Like it was so nice for me to be able to see you work because I think the main thing that was holding me back is because I'm actually pretty introverted. I'm a quiet little cat when I'm by myself 
And like, I don't know, you, you may not be. And that's what we think of anyone who's like automatically putting themselves in a space where they're being seen. But I was, I learned so much just by like watching. Oh, them. thank you. Wow. You know, it was funny because yeah. I was, I was so nervous back then in general. I remember okay. like, okay, in general, I was like, okay, like all of a sudden, like I was an actor and a director and like, now I'm like speaking about these very personal healing things. <laughs> and like, like I've been practicing ritual with the moon for like a long time, but now I'm thinking talking about it in front of people. And there were some, I think of these kind of, you know, casual speaking engagements in LA where, um, I did feel nervous and scared. I remember that night I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to lead a meditation in a backyard to a bunch of people that are super stone (laughs) at late at night. Like there's no container here. Yeah, it's like I don't even remember. Dude, you rocked it, and maybe that's like the perfect thing to end on (laughs) for anyone that's like standing on the precipice of coming forward. Is that um, it's good to know that we all sort of feel those feelings, and I'm like the thing. My biggest prayer right now is like, give me the nervous system to be able to like hold this juicy love and this like amount of money and this ability to show up for all my gifts, because like. Part of me thinks I'm supposed to be a stand-up comedian and I might one day do that, but only if I can like agree to get up there, right? I have to be willing. And so willingness is huge and I yeah. I appreciate you. Same. It was fun meeting you in that same. way and seeing you, yeah. especially like from there, from where you were to yeah, now, it's same. like, you're probably like, whoa. <laughs> same, same. And I also still feel like her when I show up to yeah. even a group yeah. online, I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm like, <gasps> so... I hope we get to meet in the real again soon and be in a room together. Me too. Me too. So everybody go find this queen's offerings online and um, her incredible writings and posts on social media are really deep, rich and inspiring too. So thank Mm. you for those. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all of that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon. <laughs>